The president of the Southern Baptist Convention says a changing culture means the church needs to find new ways to evangelize. We'll discuss it with him. And an army captain who was deployed to Iraq and is now a seminary student joins us to talk about how his experiences shaped his faith. This is Jerry Johnson Live from Criswell College. Join us as we look at today's news from the Christian worldview for Christ and culture. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. I have a dream. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yes. And the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. We will not tire, we will not falter, and we will not fail. Welcome to Jerry Johnson Live. For the next hour, this is your place for relevant discussion of topics in the news and in our culture from a Christian perspective. Your host is Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. Later in the show, we'll open the toll-free lines for your questions and comments. You may also email us at talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. Now, here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson. Senator Obama has not sat down with General Petraeus to get a briefing from him or Ambassador Crocker. That's hard to understand. All right, that's Senator John McCain running for president against Barack Obama, criticizing Obama for not going to Iraq in the last two years, not being briefed by the generals in charge. Today, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Admiral Mike Mullen, told NBC's Today Show he agrees with the assessment that al-Qaeda in Iraq is closer to defeat than ever. They remain, however, a very lethal enemy, very dangerous, and they're certainly not gone. But we've had them on the run now for the better part of several months, and we will continue to press. All right, so good news from Iraq. Not sure Obama gets it. Coming up later in the program, a U.S. Army captain back from tour in Iraq. He's right here in the studio with us right now. He's currently a student at Dallas Seminary. We're going to talk about what's really happening in Iraq and what is God doing in the Army? What is God doing in Iraq? It's going to be fascinating. Well, Dr. Johnson, a lot of people are wondering, when is Hillary Clinton going to drop out of the presidential race? Well, former President Jimmy Carter, who is a superdelegate, is saying that she ought to do it soon. I'm a superdelegate, having been president before, and I think a lot of the superdelegates will make a decision quite uh, announced quite rapidly after the final primary on June the 3rd. And and I have yet I have not yet announced publicly. But uh, I think at that point, uh, it'll be time for her to give it up. In defending uh, staying in the race, Senator Hillary Clinton is having to apologize for raising the specter of the unspeakable when she mentioned uh, the assassination in 1968 of then-candidate uh, Robert Kennedy. And uh, here is uh, that audio. I guess we don't have that. Uh, Also, the uh, Phoenix Mars lander landed, and uh, it's really an historic event, and we will have more on that later in the program. All right. It was two years ago that we interviewed a man, Dr. Frank Page, who was going to be nominated as president of the Southern Baptist Convention. He was elected as president, 
and he is on the line with us today. He is currently serving his second term as president of the Southern Baptist Convention. This is the largest non-Catholic denomination in America, and Dr. Page is preparing, as many Southern Baptists are, for the convention in Indianapolis. He has put forth a vision for the churches, and whether or not you're a Southern Baptist, I think you want to be praying for this, but particularly many of our listeners are Southern Baptist, and they especially will want to attend and to pray for this meeting. And let's talk right now to Dr. Frank Page, president of the Southern Baptist Convention. Welcome back, Dr. Page. Thank you, Dr. Jossman. It's a delight and an honor to be with you again. Listen, I'm looking here at the theme for the convention, Fulfilling the Mission. And I think, you know, as Christians, certainly uh, that rings um, true when we read the New Testament. We are to be about a mission. Could you talk to us about your vision for that mission and especially for Southern Baptist? Yes, I can, Jerry, and thank you for that opportunity. I have been burdened about this for quite some time. Uh, Fortunately, in our church, our baptisms have been going up dramatically in the last few years, and I praise God for that. But unfortunately, as a denomination, that has not occurred. For two years, Dr. Bobby Welch, my predecessor, he, he really pushed hard for people to be better soul winners. But I have, in my travels around the nation, found that many churches need help with how to do that, how to get started, how to get involved in community-based ministries where they can share the gospel more effectively. And so I've asked our North American Mission Board to work with me in coming up with a strategy that will be a 10-year, multifaceted, flexible strategy that will point us in the in the direction we need to go evangelistically. So it will not just be a tool, but a lot of tools, a lot of strategies, a lot of uh, promotion over the next 10 years to point us together in winning our our world for Christ. So I'm very excited about that possibility, and we're going to talk about it at this year's convention in detail. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Our guest is Dr. Frank Page, pastor of the First Baptist Church of Taylor, South Carolina, also president of the Southern Baptist Convention. Uh, Dr. Page, you know, Vance Havner used to say about Southern Baptist with all these millions, uh, we may be many, but we ain't much. And I'm thinking about, thinking about a statistic that I've read, you know, for the past many years, somewhere between five and 10,000 churches in our convention. We're considered the more evangelistic denomination in America, but we'll still have five or 10,000 churches baptizing no one or baptizing one. Uh, is this strategy that you're talking about, you know, going to be addressing uh, that challenge? It is definitely addressing that challenge, and it will involve people at associational and state levels who will assist churches who have been struggling with zero or one baptisms to understand their mission anew, to find ways to energize the evangelistic passion of the people. That is one of the prime aspects of this evangelistic strategy, is to help revitalize these churches. Eighty-five percent, approximately, of Southern Baptists and all evangelical churches are plateaued or declining. And this gives evidence in their evangelistic lack of fruit. So, yes, that's a major component of this uh, strategy. Dr. Page, this is Penna Dexter. It's good to have you. Thank uh, you. Is there something about the culture as it exists today that uh, makes us as Southern Baptists need to change strategies for evangelism? 
I believe it does, and I, I've been very clear. I believe the message will never change. Jesus saves. His shed blood is that which it takes to bring about salvation. But there are method changes that we must have. In, in, for example, this youngest generation, less than 5% claim to be born-again believers. They're not going to be reached by a church putting a sign out saying, Revivalists tonight, come in. <laughs> Uh, that just doesn't reach uh, that generation of people. But they can be reached. They are not turned off to Christ. And they will talk with people who will talk to them about Jesus. It may be through a small group ministry or some kind of special music or arts ministry, but they can be talked to about Christ. And so churches need to look at shifting methodologies so as to impact a culture that's increasingly unfortunately, negative toward traditional or old-style methodologies. Is there anything involved with this that has to do with uh, simply deepening the faith of uh, people who are already church members? Well, absolutely. A part of part of this process, in fact, one of the major four major emphases is a prayer emphasis that calls people to a deepening walk in the Lord, especially through prayer. Because we have, if we don't make stronger disciples, then they will not turn around and become witnesses. And we know that's one of our big weaknesses. We've not been strong enough in growing people in Christ so that they grow the passion, the biblically-based passion for reaching people for Christ. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Our guest is Dr. Frank Page. He's president of the Southern Baptist Convention. That denomination will be convening here in just a couple of weeks in Indianapolis. Dr. Page, uh, we've mentioned these challenges But uh, one of the encouraging things I think about the Southern Baptist Convention is our international missions work. Could you just relate as president of the denomination what you've seen um, that we're doing around the world, what we're doing right, and how folks could really pray for that effort? One quick story, Jerry. Last year I was in, I think it was last year, I get mixed up, I was in um, South Asia. One of the missionaries there said, Pastor, said, let me bring you, Mr. President, he said, let me bring you to the capital city of Nepal, Kathmandu. Mm. He said there was a people group called the Niwar people. Five years ago at that time, he said, we knew of not one known born-again believer. But now let me walk you. You pick the street. You pick the day. And we'll walk through that street, and you will hear the singing Christian songs in that language, the (laughs) Niwar, because there are now 5,000-plus house churches among the Niwar people. That kind of story could be repeated all over the world. People are coming to Christ. Muslims in North Africa, by the thousands, coming to Christ. So I've got to tell you, I get pretty excited about what's I happening bet. on the international mission field. Well, that's the fun part of this job. I guess that's why it looks to me like we've got six guys running for that position <laughs> this year. <laughs> Someone called me the other day and asked to talk about who's running. I said, it's easier to talk about who's not running. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell tell us this. How can We've got a lot of listeners out there who uh, will be going, but we have others who cannot go. Uh, I see there's a lot of evangelistic activity uh, before the convention. We've got Criswell students going to do revivals and to do street witnessing. But how can people be praying? Even today, as they drive in their car, they're at home. How can they pray for you? How can they pray for the denomination? Well, I am always asking for prayer for wisdom discern, and discernment. But I will say the right thing and not say the wrong thing. I, I wake up every day saying, God, help me not to mess this up. Mm. But for our convention, pray that we will have an evangelistic heart. 
I will be going door to door on the Saturday following the convention in Indianapolis. I've asked, I said, I don't want a photo op, but I want the poorest, baddest part of town. I love to talk to people about Jesus. Mm -hmm. Let's go door to door Mm -hmm. and tell them about the good news. So pray that we'll have open response to uh, among people for the gospel message. Pray that there'll be a spirit of unity in our convention. Pray that God's man will be elected as president. There are six uh, wonderful men running for the presidency. Pray that God's man will be elected and that we'll be able to come together and truly make a better and stronger impact than ever before for the cause of Christ. Dr. Page, we're just going to pray for you right now, if that's okay, on the air. Absolutely. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name, and we are thanking you for the good reports we hear on the mission field, because you are the God who saves. You are the God who convicts and who calls. We thank you for these who've come to Christ. We thank you for the missionaries that Southern Baptists have sent forth. But Lord, we are burdened about the challenge here in America and the lack of baptisms, the lack of evangelism, the lack of witness. We thank you for Dr. Page and for his vision, and we pray you would stir the hearts of the people to be receptive to this vision. We pray that you would use us, that we would lead the way in being evangelistic and sharing the gospel. We pray that you would protect Dr. Page, that you would give him wisdom, and that this convention would be a great witness to Jesus Christ. Amen. And we ask it in his name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Dr. Jerry Johnson. Dr. Page, we'll see you in Indianapolis. I look forward to it. Thank you, my friend. All right. Indianapolis, I should say. And uh, I'm excited. I'll be there. And uh, we're planning to broadcast live from Mm -hmm. the convention. Last year we had a Calvinism debate, very popular. We're planning to do that again this year. We may do a a debate on alcohol this year. That should be a lot of fun. And uh, I think there may be another debate or two planned. But we're looking forward to those live broadcasts of Jerry Johnson Live from the Southern Baptist Convention. And let me just tell you, folks, uh, this denomination is important because... It is the largest non-Catholic denomination, and with all of its flaws and all of its faults, most people believe this denomination, as a denomination, leads the rest of the evangelical world. And uh, it's very important that Southern Baptists, as leaders in evangelical Christianity in America, show the way in evangelism, show the way in missions, as they have shown the way concerning the inerrancy of Scripture, the infallibility of Scripture, and the recovery of conservative evangelical theology. Well, when we come back, U.S. Army Captain Chris Pleakin-Paul is going to describe Iraq. What's happened? Are we winning? Is it improving? Also, what is God doing in the lives of soldiers? What is God doing in the life of the Iraqi on the street? We're going to hear about it when we come back. If you're looking for a college experience that is distinctively Christian, come to Criswell College. Contact us today for information about the upcoming term. Criswell College places a strong emphasis on the Word of God, a Christian worldview, and being an effective witness to a world that needs Jesus Christ. Criswell College is totally committed to the Bible as the authoritative, inspired, and inerrant Word of God to ensure that every student receives a solid biblical and doctrinal foundation. 
Our worldview approach to ministry prepares every Criswell College student to view each academic discipline through a Christian frame of reference and to engage our culture and the world of ideas from a Christian perspective. Along with this word and worldview emphasis, each Criswell College student gets hands-on ministry training in missions and evangelism to be an effective witness through mission trips at home and abroad. Contact Criswell College today for information about the upcoming term. Call 1-800-899-0012 or on the web go to criswell.edu. That's criswell.edu. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. I would also seize that opportunity to, to educate Senator Obama along the way. All right, that's John McCain saying, hey, Barack Obama needs to go to Iraq with me because he hasn't been in two years. He said, I'll educate him along the way. Well, that was kind of a jab. But McCain is saying, look, a lot of things have changed in Iraq since Obama was there two years ago. Look at today. Basra is quiet. Sadr City is quiet. Mosul is, is relatively quiet. I mean, look what's happened in the last two years since Senator Obama visited and declared the war lost. All right, we remember that sort of language, not just Senator Obama, but the uh, Speaker of the Senate, that is, the leader of the U.S. Senate, said the same thing. Well, today, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Admiral Mike Mullen, told NBC's Today Show the situation in Iraq is improving, but troop withdrawals will be dependent on continued peace. Security is better, uh, and uh, we've made some progress politically, uh, economically. Uh, and uh, General Petraeus in his testimony talked about uh, the possibilities. He's been very clear, though, that uh, any additional withdrawals will be tied directly to conditions on the ground. All right. Well, this is the weekend where we've been remembering that freedom is not free. The many soldiers out there that have given their lives, they've given it their all to make this possible for the Iraqi people and really for us to live in security. Well, with us uh, is someone who understands that freedom is not free and uh, what it takes uh, to gain it and maintain it. He is U.S. Army Captain Chris Pleckenpole. He was deployed to Iraq in 2004. He was commander of the Apache Armor Company, responsible for 100 men and $85 million worth of equipment. Now he is a student at Dallas Seminary. And Chris, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thanks, Penny. I'm glad to be here. We're so glad to have you for a number of reasons. And first, I want to focus on uh, the statements that were made by right. Senator McCain and Admiral Mullen. And that is that uh, it's just true that things are changing in Iraq, aren't they? They really are. And the one of the things, when I was in Iraq from 04 to 05, we were just uh, crippled in a sense because the, the National Guard, the Iraqi National Guard, was so weak. And so what we did, uh, we fired the entire Iraqi National Guard and we began to train and retrain all of the Iraqi soldiers. We, we, we brought them all to Baghdad, put them through a, their own training regimen, and then we put them back out in different parts of the country so terrorists couldn't go attack their families and thus have an impact on the Iraqi National Guard. That, that, that has transformed the, the country in such an incredible way over the past two years, and we've been able to let the Iraqi National Guardsmen, Iraqi policemen, really patrol their own areas and let our men and our soldiers and our men and women over there really take the, the reserve role and move into an, an atmosphere of, you guys handle it. When you guys are overwhelmed, call us and we'll come in for the rescue. Now, it sounds like you were not there for the troop surge, but that has also contributed to this progress, hasn't it? Huge. And I'll, there was never a time 
that I was like, you know, we have way too many soldiers here. You know, there was, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there, there was never a moment that we were always struggling to have more troops. And so that troop surge really was put into a huge effect. The effectiveness and the ability for our soldiers to really, uh, you know, to take out enemy, to continue to search and, and find al-Qaeda and terrorists in the local vicinity, especially in the Sunni Triangle, just a huge effort. And it was, we can see the results from that. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Our guest is U.S. Army Captain Chris Pleckenpole. He's written the book Faith in the Fog of War and also a second volume, Faith in the Fog of War, Volume 2. But it's a soldier's journal, stories of triumph and tragedy in the midst of the battle. Captain, let me ask you this to uh, switch. We might get back to the uh, situation on the ground in Iraq, the military need there. But uh, you've really written about this from a Christian perspective. Uh, Just talk to us about, you know, when you got on the ground in Iraq, uh, what did God begin to do in your life? What did you see? Uh, Was it a time of growth in your Christian life. You know, Dr. Johnson, what I, the thing that I found in Iraq, more than anything, people always ask me, what you know, what'd you learn? And I come back to this one constant, is no matter what my current circumstances are, that never determines the presence of God. Mm-hmm. You know, the first day of combat, the transition of authority came to my company. Um, I'll never forget, I was standing outside my command post just watching heat waves bouncing off the midst of the mosque, 125 degrees outside, watching the Iraqi people exchanging grocery, going about their business, and... Uh, then my tanks were rolling out in the sector. And the time we were supposed to take over the highway, just official transition of authority, was 1,400. I glanced down at my watch, says 1,404, and boom, a massive explosion erupts about a quarter mile out. Wait, you, just, you just took the just command took, of your post. Just took over immediately. Boom. Smoke and fire billow up in, in the air about 250 feet high, and it's on. And that intense moment just fueled it for an entire year. It seemed to be almost – there would be just constant periods of just – like about a month and a half were just nonstop, no sleep, uh, exaggerated time of just, oh, my gosh, Lord, what are you doing? I can't physically do this. And I actually remember. What happened that day? That day, well, after the explosion went off, I went back in and uh, started trying to figure out through situation reports. You know, you had the gunfire in the background, the men talking all chaotically. And there's three letters that you never want to hear creep across radio in combat, and that's KIA, kill in action. First four minutes, I've lost my first man. Uh, immediately, I go. You grab. lost a man in four minutes. Four minutes. It, it, that explosion was his death, and the pain of that. I'll never forget. Just running down to my tank, just my, my thoughts swirling in my head. Of I'm about to get my first firefight, and I just lost my first soldier. And then, as the, as the day progressed, we, you know, we were firing bullets back and forth, and it was just a, it was a painful moment. And just after the insurgents uh, withdrew, we started searching house to house to house to house, looking for any clue as to who or what may have killed. Sergeant Vallant, my soldier. And at the end of day one, after searching for about seven hours, 125 degree heat wearing 50 pounds of gear, we find absolutely nothing. And the frustration kind of mounts up, and you know, you're physically exhausted, emotionally drained. You have to go back and write a letter home to his wife, Michaela, and 13-year-old daughter, Sarah, and explain to them how I let their, their father and their husband die. And then go back out and brief my men. Hey, men, check it out. We're going to go out there to, tomorrow. You're going to get shot at. There's a chance an IED might take out your tank. And we're going to be doing that for the next 364 days. And spiritually, there's a sense of, God, did you take the day off? Are, are, you, are you there? And that's where I understood fully is that sometimes my definition of good and God's definition of good are not going to match up. And I've got to move from how I see God should work things out and how God should do things and move 
really into his agenda and how he is going to play things out, and I need to get on on his page. Do you feel like God brought you to new levels of leadership and dependence upon him and prayer through all this? You know, I, I, it really did. The first month and a half, honestly, I was you know, pulling my hair out trying to figure out how to do this. And I, I remember writing an email back to one of my mentors and being like, I don't even have time to pray. I don't even feel like I'm a real Christian right this moment because I'm – I, I love God, I and mean, I'm trying to do this, but I just don't feel at this moment that I'm praying enough. And I'll never forget what he said to me. He's like, Chris, I want you, I want you to just get some rest. Mm. And I want you to know we're praying for you. We're standing in the gap. You know, we're going to take this thing of prayer that we really believe in, and we're going to go petition our Heavenly Father to, to make things right for you. And you know what's so neat about that? I finally figured out a routine, and I was able to spend – and I told my executive officer, I look, I'm going to go spend an hour in prayer every morning at the, cha- at the chapel. And I just got two chairs, and I'd put one in front of me, and I'd sit there, and I'd ask you know, God, I'd say, please sit down. And I'd just talk to him. I can't do this. Uh, I need you to give me guidance on how to handle the personality conflicts that are going to happen in the Army. Sure, sure. And how, how am I going to go search for this guy, and how am I going to handle and tell my, my men how to brief them on, well, we just lost another soldier. And, Sometimes I'd be like, what are you doing about that? You know, the frustration would come out. But those are the moments where I kind of meted out my faith with my Heavenly Father and was able to take that and bring it back to my men. And, well, my perspective was, was back where it should be. With us in studio is U.S. Army Captain Chris Pleckenpole. And uh, Captain Pleckenpole, where was it in um, your time there in Iraq that you decided it would be good to put some of the things you were learning down on paper and, and write, uh, sure. I guess, this first book. Right. Uh, you know, actually, I had been writing devotionals since I was in Korea. And people asked me, hey, what's going on in Iraq? So I just, well, here's what I did today. You know, just a, 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 I'd tell the story of the first day of combat and how I lost a soldier. And then I'd take a biblical perspective of how I saw God working in the background and how I need to take scripture and, and ask myself the questions. And ask myself those, and they just became a devotional. So writing it was almost it was actually very therapeutic for me. And so my dad was like midway through, he's like, "Why don't you just put these in a book?" And I'm like, "Well, Dad, you know, I'm kind of fighting a war here. If you want to put into a book, that was going to be my next question. <laughs> How do you write a book and fight a war at the same time? You have a dad that's kind of working in the background for you, and, and that's what he did. He went and, and actually got it self-published. And the next thing you know, about eight months later, Multnomah picked it up. So that's how that happened. Our guest is Captain Chris Pleckenpole. Chris, let me ask you this. Um, Christians believe they're ready to die. Yeah. But uh, you get over there in that life and death atmosphere. Uh, did you ask yourself that question in a deeper way? Oh, yeah. I'll never forget May 8th of 2005. It was Mother's Day. And uh, a massive explosion goes off in the cemetery. And I'm running down. I just told we had, we had two, two more died. I'm sprinting down. I go grab my interpreter, Muhammad. He's, he's a Muslim. And said, let's go, man. We just lost two more. And so as we're, we're walking to the Bradley, it's, a, it's an armored personnel carrier, and I'm about to sit down there. Just a, almost a sense of dread and fear just came over, over me because I'm about to go to that same spot where these men had just been killed. And I'm thinking, am I going to run into an ambush? Am I going to run into what, – what am I going to be facing out there? And I'll never forget that prayer. <laughs> it was an intense, God, I am giving you everything in this moment. I'm trusting you that you've got me protected. And even if I don't come out of this, it was like a, one of those Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego prayers. Okay, I'm trusting you even if you don't deliver me from this, but I need your strength to step out of this Bradley and onto the battlefield again and lead my men because I am scared. You know, I'm, mm. I'm afraid – 
Those are the moments, though, that where you see God working so powerfully when he's able to, to move you through that point of trust. Our guest, U.S. Army Captain Chris Pleckenpole. He's written the book, Faith in the Fog of War. When we come back, we'll talk more about Iraq and being a Christian soldier. The number is 800-881-9270. If you have a question for the captain about the war in Iraq, how it's going, what he saw, or maybe a question about Christians in battle, Christians in war, supporting, prayer, evangelism, 800-881-9270. This is Jerry Johnson Live with Pennedexter. We'll be back in a few minutes. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. Phoenix. Phoenix has landed. Phoenix has landed. Welcome to the northern place of Mars. All right, that's the team of Mission Control at Jet Propulsion Laboratory in Pasadena, California. They are excited about the Phoenix Mars lander. We're going to talk about this in the next segment. What are they looking for? What does this mean? But back to Iraq. Here's Senator John McCain again. General Obama has not sat down with General Petraeus to get a briefing from him or Ambassador Crocker. It's hard to understand. All right, is Senator Obama out of touch when it comes to Iraq, when it comes to uh, foreign policy? Is he ready for prime time? Again today, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Admiral Mike Mullen, told NBC's Today Show the situation in Iraq is getting better and better, but truth withdrawals will be continued. Actually, he said they're closer to defeating al-Qaeda than ever before. They remain, however, a very lethal enemy, very dangerous, and they're certainly not gone. But we've had them on the run now for the better part of several months, and we will continue to press. With us in studio, we are honored to have Captain Chris Pleckenpole, and uh, he has served in the U.S. Army in Korea and then in Iraq. And first of all, Chris, I've got to say thank you for oh, your service. Yes. I know that you have other goals in life. You're mm. in seminary mm. right now, but you've taken time out of your life to serve our country, and we're grateful for that. And I really love doing it, so thank you. One thing uh, I noticed in the news today mm. was uh, the fact that it's really bad for Iraqi Christians mm. right now. Can you talk about that? You know, it, it, that is such a true statement. When Saddam Hussein was in power, he was a secular uh, authoritarian. So as long as you were supportive of him, he didn't care what religion you were. So mm. there were about 150,000 Christians in Baghdad alone. Uh, back when he was in power. Now, after the vacuum comes out, now everyone's going back to a, a sense of their, the fear of, you know, the, America's here and they're going to bring their Christianity and, you know, the, the sense we're a Christian nation, imperializing everyone to be Christians. And so what has happened is that those who are Shia or Sunni, well, they'll see a church, and especially in the Baghdad area, they would go and bomb it wow. or persecute wow. or that, those kind of things. And that's a struggle, especially when you're 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 a fledgling Christian trying to support the democracy and the, and the people that are bringing it in are Christian, for the, or at least seemingly Christian. And that's a difficult place for those Iraqi people really to be. And so what's happening to them? Are they dying? Are they leaving? What are they doing? They're, you know, I, I can't give you a, a good answer on that. I just know that the persecutions are happening. And I'm not sure if they're, they're growing under that or if they're actually, I think it's more likely they're, they're hurting. All right. This is Jerry Johnson Live. Our guest is U.S. Army Captain Chris 
Plick and Pole. And we've got callers on the line. Gordon from Iredale. Gordon, thank you for calling. What's your question? Um, um, uh, first of all, I want to say thank you, Captain, for your dedication and devotion for, you know, for the fight for our country and freedom over there and for all the men that you serve with. And I wanted to ask a question about, you know, not too long ago in the media, there was a young man that was serving in the and I forget exactly which uh, force he was in, but he started talking out for his faith and how it was against his belief to uh, be over there in the middle of that war, and he said that he didn't want to um, fight for for it anymore because of his faith. Do you run across that? I mean, has that caused any type of uprising in people uh, or the the men over there that are fighting in this war now? I mean, seeing this one guy that's come out and letting it be known that it's against his religion. Do you, I mean, has that sparked any type of um, other other guys to want to stand up and start saying that hey, maybe this is against what they believe to. I mean, I believe that, that there are things that are that are worth fighting for, mm-hmm. and uh, especially when it comes to this country and what we represent, you know. All right, Gordon, thanks for that call. We're going to let the captain answer that question. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. You know, Jesus said there's no love greater than this, than he that lays his life down for his friends. And when we look at Iraq, what we're not doing is we're not going there to just go and kill people. We're not looking for body counts. What we're doing is we're instilling a sense of place where they have a freedom of worship through democracy. And anyone that's going to come in and try and attack an innocent person, we're going to go defend them by, if, if we have to, killing that person who's trying to take away the freedom and take the life of an innocent Iraqi. Hmm. Well, let me ask you this, Captain, because uh, I'm fascinated by, you know, some people are cynical about hmm. foxhole religion. Sure. And your title of your book is Faith Faith in the fog of war. Mm. The truth is there are a lot of people sure. who don't think about the ultimate issues until they get over in the fog of war or they're in that foxhole. Um, you are already a Christian, mm-hmm. but there are probably a lot of folks going over there who have not prayed, not thought about God, not thought about heaven or hell yeah. or dying. Uh, what is God doing over there? Did you see folks converted, brought yeah. to Christ in the midst of all this? I did. Uh, I'll never forget one. It was just after the elections, the first elections that we had. And um, the, one of my soldiers, Sergeant Kishbaugh, is one of my tankers, is out in sector with Sergeant, Sergeant Gibbs, and Sergeant Gibbs finds a bomb. And before he can react to it, Sergeant Gibbs, the, the bomb blows up, and mm-hmm. it kills him. And Sergeant Kishbaugh, who's an atheist, he is angry, and a lot of swearing and cursing follows that. And he comes back, and he comes up to my room. Because, you know, I took a stand. When I took command of that company, I put my stake in the ground and said, I'm a Christian. I'm going to run this company as a Christian, and I'm not going to make you believe anything, but I just want you to know where I stand on this, and this is how I'm going to operate. And so I you know, put the flag in the ground so they knew where to come. Uh, makes you a target sometimes, but you know, that's the way it goes. Anyway, so he comes up to my room, and he just the anger's kind of overwhelming. As he's, we've lost, at that point, we've lost eight or nine and, uh, of the battalion. And he's just like, what are we doing here? I don't understand. And I just took it right to Scripture. I said, you know, we can look at politics and generals, but there's something deeper that's causing war. This is this issue of sin that's contaminated every person on this planet. And Christ came 2,000 years ago to pay the penalty for sin so, that, so you could have a right standing with God. And he looks at me like I'm absolutely nuts. You know, what does that have to do with anything? This is some fairy tale. And I said, you know what? Just because you don't believe it doesn't mean it's not true. And so I, I, I prayed for him. And for about two weeks, I was just praying and praying and praying and praying and praying for him. And uh, we had some churches sent us a whole bunch of uh, Christian stuff. And one of the things they sent us was the Passion of the Christ. 
he comes back into my he just opens the door of my office comes in he's like sir i just watched the passion of the christ and if this stuff is real then i'm expletive and, and you know just the the raw <laughs> it was the yeah. most beautiful dirty confession <laughs> <laughs> you know, it really was. It was, and I was like, you know, it's true. If great, if Christ came from heaven to earth, paid a penalty for sin, you don't believe it, then I'm sorry. And he'd be like, what if I start sinning again? What if I don't want to make God mad? What if I start drinking again or watching porn again? Stop, stop, stop. So the gospel is not about making bad people good. It's about making dead people alive. Mm-hmm. And though you are spiritually dead now, though when you come to faith in Christ, this incredible new life is going to start all over in you. And through that, he, through tears in his eyes. It was, you know, he prayed the, the sinner's prayer, confirming his faith. And then it was so awesome that he actually got shot a couple months later and uh, he lived. But on the way, um, when he was being evacuated, he's just like, I know that God's going to use this somehow for his glory. And just that total perspective shift that happened to a guy who's a total atheist become an on fire believer. All right, there's time. If you have a question for Captain Chris Pleckenpole, 800 881 9270. 800-881-9270. I have to ask you this, Captain. Mm. Do you believe um, we can win mm. or bring this conflict to a good solution? Do you see it in the cards? Absolutely. I, I think that it's not going to be an overnight thing. I think that, you know, when President Bush, you know, a while ago, he, he never said this is going to be an immediate solution. So this is going to be, a, we're in for the long haul. And, and I, the one thing I always respected about him for that was that he said, this is where we're going to stand. This is where we're, we're going. And so we're still in Korea. We're still in Germany. We're still all over the world with forces deployed. And, you know, we're going to see conflict is going to become less and less and less. But I don't think it's going to happen overnight. But I do see a positive outcome. I do see a democracy happening in Iraq. Mm. I was reading today in uh, finishing up Second Samuel, mm. David was a man of war. He was yeah. in all kinds of battle situations, starting with Goliath mm. to the end of his life. He was always in the fight. And there's a great praise uh, hymn at the end of Second Samuel, and he says, he has said things like, the Lord is my strength and so forth. Mm. But then there's this verse, Second Samuel twenty two thirty five. he teaches my hands to make war yeah. so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. Now, I'm an old bow hunter, and I killed my first deer with a bow, and I've never told <laughs> really? you that, with a bow and arrow, not with a rifle. <laughs> And uh, but it's hard to pull a, a big bow back, a battle bow, but a bow of bronze, it's definitely art. And David says, you know, I have that kind of supernatural strength. Of course, he had to have that to fight Goliath. Of course, he had to have that. Many of these other fights, he's vastly outnumbered, and he really saw God break in. Uh, did you see? Did you experience that kind of God? strength, God event. Do you feel like that happened to you? You know, there are several times where I look back and I'm like, how did I survive that? Hmm. You know, uh, my tank uh, exploded underneath me. We were, I had this great idea, and whenever you have great ideas, you really should check them. But I, was, I told my, my colonel, I was like, sir, we're going to go into the most enemy-infested area, and what's going to happen is they're going to shoot at us, and then we'll shoot back at them. That, it was a great plan. <laughs> Original idea. Yeah, and, you know, and I, I briefed the enemy on it, and unfortunately they didn't come back on me. Anyway, so I'm going around this corner. And there's a point at which you know everything is all wrong, but you can't do anything about it. And boom, smoke and fire go past my face as mm. that acrid taste of gunpowder gets stuck in the back of my throat. A one-ton piece of my t- tank was thrown about a quarter mile away. Unbelievable. Wow. And so my tank's completely destroyed, but my entire crew, the only scratch that it has, I got a scratch on my shin from when I jumped back into the, into the turret. 
uh, and no one else got hurt. You know, there are moments like that. You're like, how did that happen when other men facing other situations died in circumstances so similar? God is sovereign. God's in control. The book, Faith in the Fog of War, Captain Chris Pleckenpole. Captain, how can people get this book? They can go to faithinthefog.com or go to amazon.com or any bookseller should be having it. If they, they are sold out, then you can have them ordered again. Faith in the Fog of War. Go to faithinthefog.com. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Faithinthefog.com. Or amazon.com. Captain, thank you for your service to our country. Uh, thank you for this book. And it's exciting to know that you're in seminary and what God is going to do with your life. We'll, we'll do a follow-up maybe on that someday soon. We'll be right back to talk about the mission to Mars. And is Hillary Clinton alluding to the assassination of Barack Obama? If you're looking for a college experience that is distinctively Christian, come to Criswell College. Contact us today for information about the upcoming term. Criswell College places a strong emphasis on the Word of God, a Christian worldview, and being an effective witness to a world that needs Jesus Christ. Criswell College is totally committed to the Bible as the authoritative, inspired, and inerrant Word of God to ensure that every student receives a solid biblical and doctrinal foundation. Our worldview approach to ministry prepares every Criswell College student to view each academic discipline through a Christian frame of reference and to engage our culture and the world of ideas from a Christian perspective. Along with this word and worldview emphasis, each Criswell College student gets hands-on ministry training in missions and evangelism to be an effective witness through mission trips at home and abroad. Contact Criswell College today for information about the upcoming term. Call 1-800-899-0012 or on the web go to criswell.edu. That's chriswill.edu. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. This team made history, and they would be remembered forever that they are the first people who explored the polar region you know, of Mars. And there is no telling what discoveries would be seeing over the next, you know, 90 days. All right. That's about the Phoenix Mars lander, uh, safe landing. Uh, That's the report from Mission Control out at Jet Propulsion Lab in Pasadena. Uh, Here's the interesting thing. They're going up to that North Pole. They're going to go under the ground. They believe just four feet or so under the ground, there could be water. There's ice up there, water. So that if we have future missions to Mars, we'll be able to tap in, at least get some water up there. It's going to be fascinating to follow this story over the years. And let me just say today, there's another uh, major headline in the Wall Street Journal. I just want to read it. I think it's encouraging. Attacks in Iraq reach four-year low. So it's going to be very interesting to see just at the time when the Democrat nominee seems to be crystallizing And um, their mantra has been, we're going to end the war in Iraq and that we've lost this war, that apparently all the signals right now are that we are winning and that the tough part is over. And uh, McCain is going to challenge, I think, Pena, Barack Obama head on 
on this issue. Well, they're also fighting in Congress again over a war funding bill. So in a sense, uh, it may make uh, those opposing it look bad. Well, uh, Hillary Clinton, of course, uh, being asked by many people in her party to finally exit the race and people questioning why she has not done so. And uh, in a weekend interview with the Argus leader in South Dakota, this is how she answered it. I find it curious because it is it is unprecedented in history. I don't understand it. And, you know, between my opponent and his camp and some in the media, uh, there has been this urgency to end this. And, you know, historically that makes no sense. Um, so I, I find it a bit of a mystery. You don't buy the party unity argument? I don't, because, again, I've been around long enough. Uh, you know, my husband did not wrap up the nomination in 1992 until he won the California primary um, somewhere in the middle of June, June, right? We all remember Bobby Kennedy was assassinated in June in California. All right. A lot of people wondering if she's making some kind of analogy with what could happen uh, to her opponent. But we have to remember, Dr. Johnson, first of all, that I think she's waiting for this Saturday, number one, because mm-hmm. they're going to be meeting. Democrat Rules Committee will be meeting to decide what to do with the Michigan and Florida, uh, Florida delegates that haven't been seated. Uh, also, though, um, she says, you know, that it never lasted this long. But we do have to remember that when her husband ran, the first primary was not until February this year it was in January, mm-hmm. in fact, January 3rd. Uh, and also uh, in 1968, the first primary wasn't until mid-March. And different rules, too. Different uh, rules. Now. And, and no terms Super of, Tuesdays. It's impossible with the rules they have now for her to win it unless those superdelegates shift or unless there is some kind of an assassination. She was criticized heavily for this. Was she hinting at an assassination? She apologized that day. We want to be clear on that. And I think she was not hinting at that. She talked about her husband's situation. She talked about Kennedy's situation. They needed to back off on this. People are super sensitive about that. Certainly, she's not hinting at that. But I think what she was hinting at is that Barack Obama could still have another Jeremiah Wright moment or uh, something else could happen, another shoe could drop. Uh, There could be some revelation, some unknown, some June surprise uh, that would knock him out. And these superdelegates have the ability to vote and to make the difference. And so I think uh, she says, you know, why throw in the towel now? Uh, I can run this thing out if something happens with him and he messes up embarrasses the party, embarrasses himself, I'll be ready, waiting in the wings. She's definitely on that game plan. On a completely different note, actress Sharon Stone said the Chinese earthquake that has claimed tens of thousands of lives may be bad karma as a result of China's policy toward the Tibetans. Here it is. Well, you know, it was very interesting because at first I'm, you know, not happy about the way the Chinese are treating the Tibetans because I don't think anyone should be unkind to anyone else. And so I have been very concerned about how to think and what to do about that because I don't like that. And then I've been just, you know, concerned about, oh, how should we deal with the Olympics because they're not being nice to the Dalai Lama, who's a good friend of mine. And then all this earthquake and all this stuff happened, and I thought, is that karma when you're not nice that the bad things happen to you? And then I got a letter from the Tibetan Foundation that they wanted to go and be helpful. And that made me cry. And they asked me if I would write a quote about that. And I said, 
I would, that it was a big lesson to me that sometimes you have to learn to put your head down and be of service even to people who aren't nice to you and that that's a big lesson for me. All right, that was actress Sharon Stone on theology and politics and her friend, the Dalai Lama. Uh, I want to speak to this for a moment, Pena, because this idea that it's karma, the earthquake could be karma, well, that puts her in a category with Pat Robertson, Jerry Falwell, and John sort Hagee <laughs> when it comes to 9-11 or, or Hurricane Katrina. I don't hear an outcry about Sharon Stone. Let's boycott her or blacklist her. But uh, this idea of karma, that the sin in your life, the evil in your life, the bad in your life, uh, you've got to work off. And that is an Eastern religious notion, karma. This is why in Calcutta, Mother Teresa really did shine in the darkness because uh, the status quo in India was that you know, if people were poor in the lower classes or caste or they were crippled or diseased, that they were working off bad karma from a previous life. Why go in and heal them? Why feed them? Why help them? Because uh, they'll have to pay it again in the next life. Don't shortcut the karma process. Absolutely no motivation to help people uh, working off the bad karma. But as Christians, we know this isn't the way it works. And uh, you cannot work off the bad, the sin. Um, that's what the cross is all about. Um, it's not karma. It's God's judgment that we're under. If we sin, if we disobey, if we rebel against God, and the Bible says we've all done that, there is God's righteous judgment and justice. We face that, that prospect, that possibility, that certainty And God's solution is the cross. When Jesus Christ died on that cross, he took the judgment, the punishment. I'm not using the word karma, but the way they're thinking about it, it's not something we work off. It's something that he worked off. He who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Jesus Christ satisfied the demands of God's holiness and righteousness When he died, when he rose again from the grave, he showed that God accepted that payment. He showed that he had the victory over sin, over death, over the grave. You need to come to Jesus Christ. You need to believe in Jesus Christ. You need to look to Jesus Christ to be forgiven. This is Jerry Johnson Live with Pennedexter. Tomorrow, Dr. David Dockery, president of Union University. You've been listening to Jerry Johnson Live, a Christian worldview radio show. Join Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m. for an hour of relevant discussion of news and culture from a Christian perspective.